Father, as we take this time to open your word, as we have continued to sing praise to you, as we lift up our voices now, communicating with you and praying, I pray that as you communicate to us through your word, we take these words to heart, we apply them to our lives, we send them out and give them to those that we come in contact with. It is the truth that we need to know. It's the truth that we seek from your word. Strengthen us now, encourage us, and give us wisdom in our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May I have a seat? A simple plan to be a successful people. What is simple? Simple is just at the bare bones. What is it going to take? And let's keep it as simple as possible because ultimately we want to be successful. What is successful? In your minds, what is the idea of success? In God's eyes, what is the idea of success that we see? Well, something I want to go through with you is a couple of not-so-successful church quotes. They did not come from our bulletin. I will stress this to you. Uh, but there's a couple here that I really like to call them little tummy ticklers here. Barbara remains in the hospital. She is having trouble sleeping and requests tapes of Pastor Jack's sermon. Wow. <laughs> it might help her sleep. Anyway, the sermon this morning, Jesus walks on water. The sermon tonight, searching for Jesus. <laughs> Yikes. All right, last one. And guys, hang on here. Are you ready? Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a good chance to get rid of things not worth keeping around your house. Bring your husbands. <laughs> Poor guys. Well, those are not so successful quotes, but um, a couple quotes that I want to look at that were successful. Let's, let's take a look at our slides here. I've got a couple slides. Who said ministry was stressful? I'm 35 and I feel great. I, I asked John Goff that this morning. No, that's not a picture of John, but uh, I kind of threw that in there. Um, Some people feel ministry is stressful. It's not stressful. It's just when we sin, that's what's stressful part of it. So ministry is great to be able to worship and gather together, but it is challenging. So the next quote that I have is from D.L. Moody. It says, if I could relive my life, I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. Think all of what this man did, his impact the Christian world, and looking at what he says now, if I could relive it, I'm going to go back and go for the kids. Man, that says something. That says a lot, being involved with children and, and saying that he would go for children's ministry. Um, the next quote I have is uh, uh, ever familiar. Luke 18, 16, Jesus called them to him and saying, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Simple plan. How simple can it be? We think, well, maybe, maybe we can, we can handle this. You know, Jesus said, I want the kids because if the kids have their faith, if the kids are speaking out and if the kids are coming to me and absorbing this knowledge that I can give them, the kids have more faith than we do. And I want to show you this next slide is, is how many hours we have in a week. 168 hours. And in reaching kids and what we're doing in kids' ministry, many families come to one service. They will attend on Sundays. And usually one service is about an hour long. 
So if you're thinking that we're reaching our children in one service a week, that's one out of 168 hours. What a fraction. What a fraction, a small percentage, a small portion of time. How much is that impacting their life? What about the other 167 hours of the week? Okay, I understand. Some of them are going to school. They go to maybe public school, Christian school, homeschool. You know, maybe they're hearing more of it. Um, But then they're at home with you. Obviously, they're sleeping, so that takes away some of the time. You know, but at mealtimes and prayers, and this actually impacts me as well with my three kids and saying, am I reading the gospel messages with them? Am I reading the Bible messages with them? And we read bedtime stories typically at night, say good time or good night prayers with them. But literally one out of 168 is just church time that a lot of people look at. I want a simple plan to be a successful people. It's going to involve a little bit more than this. My last slide actually has um, where we're going to be today and also a quote that says, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise, quoted by Andy Stanley, may not be something you do, but by someone you raise. Keep that in mind. Anybody out there raising children? Whoo, what a challenge. I know with three of my own, and, and as I look for a simple plan, how can I make my children be more successful? And what does it need to be? Well, God gave us this plan. I invite you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 28, and we'll continue on to chapter 6 through verse 15. Break it up into three sections. We're going to start off first of God's acknowledgement in Deuteronomy 5, 28. It says, and the Lord heard your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the words of this people, which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart as this always to fear me and to keep all my commandments, that it may go well with them and with their descendants forever. Go and say to them, return to your tents, but you stand here by me. And I will tell you the whole commandment and the statutes and the rules that you shall teach them, that they may do them in the land that I am giving them to possess. You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land you shall possess. That section right there starting off gives a little detail, and i got to back up a little farther to give you some information. But one, it's God's affirmation of hearing the people. The people literally were talking to Moses saying, Moses, I know you talk to God. And here's the thing. Ecclesiastes even says that there's nothing new under the sun. So when you guys, anybody reading off of a tablet or downloading information from the, the cloud, that's not the first thing. Let's take a look. I'm going to go back to verse 22. Verse 22. It says, these words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, the cloud and the thick darkness with a loud voice. And he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. So take a look at that and remember that when people say, oh, yeah, we download information from the cloud onto the tablet, it's been done before, <laughs> okay? First time in history, download it from the cloud, come into the tablets, here you go. Easy enough, just like that. You can tell somebody that next time. So, and 
as we look at this, God was speaking to Moses. And he was speaking to the people. And the people heard and they're like, whoa, who's heard the voice of God and actually lived? And it's like, Moses, um, hey, buddy, you go ahead and you, you go get the information from God. You bring it back to us. We'll listen to you and then we'll teach it and we'll pass it on. We're going to find a simple plan here. One, God's affirmation of hearing the people was in verse 28. He said, I heard them. They are right. His affirmation says, yeah, you said it. And if you do this, this simple plan, you will be successful. You're right. And then letter B, he goes on to say God's aspiration for the people. His aspiration for the people was that it may go well with them and their descendants. And he gives a timeline. And that timeline says forever. Well, forever is a really long time. It's forever. I look at this and, and, and you just say, if you do this, my aspiration for you is that you will just absorb this and do it and teach it to your children and your children will learn it. They'll teach it to their children and it'll be forever. Well, his aspiration when he said they're right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart as this. We're going to see the heart plays a big factor in this. Hmm. Their descendants forever. But he doesn't stop with just the aspiration. God says, okay, you ready? Action plan. Okay. You want to know a simple plan. We're going to get into it. Let's take a look at verse 30 to 33a. The plan is something that equals a success. The plan is something that says, this is how it's going to work. And he starts off and says, tell them, return to your tents. But you stand here by me. I'm going to tell you the whole commandments and the statutes and the rules that you shall teach them, that they may do them in the land that I am giving them to possess. There was going to be a blessing. And God's action plan, if the people followed it, was going to eventually equal that. But a plan is something that equals success. When, when you start off by building something, builders out there, architects, anything, you have to have a plan. And that plan is going to equal success. House plans. Think about a house. It just doesn't get built. A church, it just doesn't get built. It has a plan. It has structural value. There is, is a network that all these details have to be put together. The wires are hidden because you don't see those. But yet, it, I don't know. I'm not an architect, but I can tell you this. Building is very intricate, and there's a lot of details. There is a plan. We have been given a plan through God's Word to follow. And in doing so, maybe even at home, think about this, a bookshelf. I, that's more my, my speed right there, okay? I can assemble the bookshelf and put the little knobs in, crank, do what needs to be done. Uh, maybe a baby crib. How about a kid helping a child with a model airplane? When you put something together, you follow a plan in putting pieces together to find out what the, the, the end result and the end project's going to be. If you follow it, you are successful. Well, let's figure out the rest of the plan and as we look at this, it says God's assurance in 33b, God's assurance for doing right. And he gives a threefold blessing to you that says that you may live, huh, that's good, that it may go well with you, better, and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. Want to live? Live long? Want to be blessed? They were getting ready to go to the promised land. Here, you guys follow my plan. Here's the plan. It's coming up. You guys follow this plan, stick with it, descendants, your kids, your kids' kids, forever, blessing. Keep this in mind. If you do it, 
you will be successful. Well, God acknowledged him, those, three, those four things. His affirmation when he heard the people. His aspiration for the people, wanting them to do that. God's action plan, we're getting into it. And then his assurance that if you do this, you're going to be prosperous. Go on to letter or number two with me. It's the command of Shema. And Shema is actually the prayer that the Hebrew people, the Israelites were, were saying. And the command of Shema is what even the Jewish people still say today of following the Old Testament principles and saying these, these verses that come up here. Let's go ahead and read through verses 1 through 9. Now this is the commandment, the statues and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statues and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Key verses, the next two. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, And with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as signs on your hands, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your houses and on your gates. The command of Shema is actually. A four part here. There is one, a command with reason. The very first is the command with reason. In 1 to 3a, this was, God was basically giving this command to Moses. Moses was then giving the command to the people. The people were then charged with the responsibility of giving this command to the next generations. And as you think about that, how do you even challenge your own family, your own household? Grandparents, have you helped your children? Have you encouraged your children who may be grown, maybe my age of that point, in saying, I'm going to help you grow. Is there something that I can pray for you? Is there something that I can help teach you? Something that you, know, you may still struggle with or, or have questions about? And continuing to encourage. Now, people my age, obviously, now you can kind of research, go to the Bible, read, look up passages, commentaries, read things on as far as growing in your knowledge. A simple plan, but then parents, parents where we're at. You have children. Are you helping your children grow? I go back to that 1 over 168. And when I look at this of what one thing in that hour, in that junior church hour, in this Sunday school hour that they're learning right now, answers in Genesis material and the gospel is good news and what, what, can they be, what can they glean from this? What can you question your kids about? They might come up, I don't know. What did you learn? I don't know. Well, did you sing any songs? Hopefully you hear them singing the songs at least. I mean, I, I really like the songs. When we do junior church, I really like the songs. I'm just saying because the kids' worship is great. I can tell you this, though. Even in junior church, what they're learning this week is that Joshua takes charge and hopefully, if your kids are in third service or we're in first service, they're making, taking a toilet paper holder, 
They're taking a styrofoam cup, cutting the bottom of it out. Yes, they are using scissors in junior church, okay? And so they're putting that on there. They're taping it up, and they're decorating it and coloring it. And that is their horn to blow. I hope they blow it all the way home in your car, okay? (laughs) I do. But I hope you ask them why they made that horn. I hope you ask them why did they make that today? What was the purpose of it? Where was the meaning coming from? What was the message of the Bible that you learned about? And then you take that and you roll with it. 167 other hours that you have in that week that you can work with your children. You know, we always can use the volunteers in children's ministry. But yet, it is your responsibility, the other 167 hours, in raising your children. Simple plan to be a successful people. This was a command with reason. God to Moses, to the people, to the generations. Secondly, I see that there's a command again with reward. It's repeated here in 3B. It says that you may multiply greatly as the the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. It was going to be prosperity. This was going to be a time where it was going to go well with them. They would multiply greatly and there would be blessing. That's if they follow the plan. What was the plan? The plan and letter C, that is the command of righteousness. Letter C is the command of righteousness. It's a simple plan. And as it, as it says in, in verses 4 and 5, Hear, O Israel, that's where Shema comes from, the word hear or listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Let me stop right there. All the neighboring, the people that they're walking by, heading to the promised land, their neighbors were worshiping many gods. They were polytheistic in belief. And these other neighbors worshiping many gods were not sure if they said a prayer to this one God to help them in whatever aspect it was, if that God was in conflict with another God, and would they be listening to their prayers And would their prayers be answered? So all these conflicting gods, polytheistic, many gods, I'm believing this. No, they came to it and they said, I serve one God. And I have faith that my one God can actually impact my life in every aspect and can meet all my needs. And that is who I need to worship. One God. Well, that's where that comes from. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And what is it? Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That's it. One simple verse, one simple plan to be a successful people. We could close our Bibles right there. That's it. That's all you got to do. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. I look at those words, those three words, heart, soul, and might. One, heart, interior. Two, soul, interior. Three, might, my exterior, my strength as I look to it. But as I look at the heart, I see that there's a a life flow, a blood that as my heart pumps my blood, that's what God's word should be doing through our lives. It should be continually pumping through our life. This should be what we focus on. It should be the living outsource as we spring out our energies coming from what our heart does for us. God's word pumping through our life. Our soul, that inner being, the inner self of what we can say, I can process this and I know that I can abide by God's word. My soul, that I have God's word in my heart. You know what? If I have that within me, if that is pumping through me, 
it will be evident in my might, in my strength, that which I do outwardly towards the church, towards my coworkers, towards my own children, towards my neighbors, those that I'm around, that literally what is within me is now going to come out of me, and I'm going to share that good news. I have a simple plan. My simple plan is love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my life, one God, and that he has a consistent righteous standard for me to follow. Well, the final thing that I have here in verses 6 through 9 is the command of responsibility. The command of responsibility is verses 6 through 9. It says, these words I command you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets on your eyes. Write them on the doorpost of your house, on your gates. This is literally God's word being everywhere. I should never be anywhere without God's word. And as I teach them to my children, that as I take these words and impress upon them, 167 hours a week, they come here, 168 out of 168 hours, if I focus on developing my family, if I focus on my children and put as much energy and time into them as I do whatever activity that you do, my children will be successful. When we're talking generational, when we talk about being successful, we're talking about being successful in knowing God, knowing who he is and applying that to our lives. Think about this. When you're dead and gone, Will your children seek after God the way you did? How are you doing seeking after God? Are you challenging yourself in that manner to be diligent in reading God's word? To be diligent in praying to God? To be diligent in seeking true wisdom? In teaching these commands, I'm going to flip over. You can stay where you are, but I'm flipping over to Psalm chapter 78. And this was in Psalm. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Verse 5, he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, that the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. This was not something that was one generation. Here's what it is. Here's what you need to do, and you're good to go. No, it was continuing on and persevering in this one simple plan. Pretty simple, huh? <laughs> um, how are we doing? I challenge myself, even with my own children, and I look at this. The command of Shema, that Hebrew word of listen and hear, and this is what I want you to know. It was a command with reason. It was a command with reward. It was a command of righteousness. Our main love God with all our heart, soul, and mind and our strength. And it was a command of responsibility. And that is what is impressed upon you and upon your families. Finally, God gives us the authority. Number three, has God's authority here. And um, again, 
fourfold that I'm looking at. Number one, let's read the verses that we have, verses 10 to 15. It says, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear, Him you shall serve, and by His name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you, for the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and He destroy you from off of the face of the earth. Well, God's displaying His authority right here and saying, you know what? I heard you. I acknowledge you. I give you the command. I give you the opportunity to accept the plan, the simple plan. And finally, I'm going to give you my authority here and show you, number one, God's promise, verse 10a, that he swore. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore. Did God ever break any of his promises? Now, this is where in junior church, the little kids all, no, they shake their heads, no. God has never broken any of his promises. And what he did right there is he promised them when he brings you into the land, he swore Yes, that was a promise of God, and he did take them in. It was a plan that he has never broken. Secondly, it shows God's provision. Letter B is God's provision, and that was what I call prosperity. Great cities, full houses, good wells, abundant food. Man, what else could we ask for? Houses filled with things that you didn't even buy. You just walked right in and inherited the land. This was your way. If you follow after my commands, I'm giving this to you. I am giving you the prosperity and the blessing that you need. God was gracious in his provision. Again, seeing evident evidence of God's mercy and grace through this, his grace that he gave to us. Thirdly, though, I want you to see that there is God's position. And it really talks about his place, his power, his priority, where it's at in verses 12 to 14. Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You know, we get into the good things of life, and occasionally there's times where we become successful, and things seem to go our way, and things are going right, and we're being blessed. We are blessed. We are a blessed people. But there comes a time when it says, um, who gave us these blessings? Who provided for our lives? Who allowed us to go to sleep last night and wake up this morning and everybody made it here? I pray safely. But everybody's here. No, it's a blessing from God. God giving us our life to serve him and to honor him. Well, we need to respect his position and continue to give him gratitude and thanks for who he is. God's position is the ultimate position. There's no other gods, and it, says, it even says that in there, that you shall not go after the other gods, the little g gods, but follow after God. And then finally, it shows God's power, verse 15. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. 
Lest the anger of the Lord, your God, be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off of the face of the earth. This jealousy, I want you to realize, is not a, an evil jealousy. This is a jealousy where God's power, that he is zealous to protect what belongs to him. God doesn't want to see evil happen to you. But he is zealous to do his best to protect you. Follow after his plan. He wants you to follow him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. To follow after him, he wants to bless you. He wants to lead you in your life. He is zealous to protect what belongs to him. God's authority, he has promise. He gives provision. He shows his position and illustrates his power of what he can do. Simple plan to be a successful people. When you take all of this and and condense it down to that one simple verse, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. How does that apply to me now? This was Old Testament. Mr. Tim, that's what the kids will say. Mr. Tim, this was Old Testament. You're right. Let's put it in practical terms for you and I today. I love kids' ministry because, number one, you break it down to the simplest of levels. What is it going to take for them to know and to understand? You have to get it to where I understand the fundamentals, the basics. That is the foundation. That's where they'll grow. So let's look at the closing comments. Today's Christian response, our New Testament standards. One, it is our message of a Savior. In that command, it is our message of a Savior. It needs a decision. That's your part. Are you going to accept or are you going to reject Christ? Number one, teaching the gospel message. The gospel is good news. Kids are learning it even right now. Sunday school hour. Pray for the teachers that are there teaching. Continue to encourage them. Talk to your children about that if they're in in the service right now with it. Good opportunity. The message of a Savior needs a decision. Have you accepted or rejected Jesus Christ as your Savior? Secondly, it is our means of sanctification. Our means of sanctification means it needs done. Sanctification is not just saying that I am now perfect, but it means that I am progressively working towards what I know is right and doing the Word of God and becoming a better Christian day by day. 20 years ago, I look at my life and I say, I'm not there, but I am not where I was 10 years ago. But I am not 10 years ago where I am even today. That as I progress myself through my reading of the Scripture, through my devotion to God, through my prayer that I talk with God, as I seek to learn and to grow this one simple plan of how to, how to be better educated in God's Word, how to better myself in sanctification and, and making that message being done. One, I need to challenge myself But secondly, I need to cultivate my students. Many of you serve in children's ministry. I see you out there. I thank you. We can use the help. We can use other people coming in. But I want to challenge you to cultivate your students, which are your children at home more so. It's great for one hour here, but 167 other hours of the week belong to you. Are you doing what you can to help your children? Thirdly, it is our mission to share And that is that it needs delivered. We have a message of a Savior, our means of sanctification, our mission to share, and it has to be delivered. Are you going to share that mission? 
Are you going to share this simple plan? How simple can it be to give out to just even a kid? Breaking it down, simple terms. I want to give you some numbers and statistics even about kids' ministry. And with this, I close. And it's on Wednesday nights from nursery, I look back that wing, and I think the Northwest Wing, and how precious that is to God. In the nursery, and when they sign in, you're looking at kids, about 120 to 125 kids average on a Wednesday night come out. When you see the bulletin numbers and you see that there's roughly 400 people here, I mean, you're looking at almost 25%, a little over 25% of the kids that are just kids coming in to hear the Word of God. Praise God. That's amazing. But in that 120, 120 to 125 kids, there's about 29 adults that are there distributed. Many, verse, they listen to verses. They hear adults and teens. They listen to the kids. They encourage them. Some are the teachers. Some are the assistant leaders. Some are just involved in greeting the kids. Some are, are life coaches with them. You know, the nursery workers are there week in and week out holding those babies. So you can be here to be fed spiritually. And I pray that you take that back. And you sing songs to your baby. And you read the stories to your baby. The Bible truths is your plan and your action to serve into your family. Sunday mornings, right now, second service. First, second, and third service. There's about 34 to 35 adults and teens that will help out on any given Sunday. And same thing between those three services, about 120 to 125 kids that are coming in to hear God's word. I challenge you, be part of that. They don't bite hard. Um, Some, you know, some like to kick, you know, it's okay. But being involved with a kid, even all the way up to sixth grade, and just feeding into that kid's life, and knowing, if I could have brought in uh, Jim Sobolski teaching the fifth and sixth grade boys right now, self-control and discipline, his big thing that he likes to teach with the kids. Is there a chance for you to be involved with kids? Is there a chance for you to love on these kids and to also share that simple plan, one hour a week here and then 167 hours a week with the families at home? Well, talk with God. No breath is lost. Walk with God. No strength is lost. Wait for God. No time is lost. Trust in God. You will never be lost. Serve God. You'll be given a chance to help save the lost. Will you stand with me in prayer? Father, we thank you that we have a plan. We thank you that there is an action plan for us to follow, that you have given us opportunity to serve, given us an opportunity to hear, given us an opportunity to be part of what it takes to grow ourselves, to love you more each day, help us to reach out to our children, maybe some to their grandchildren, great-grandchildren, but to continue to teach this action plan of success, of loving you with all their heart, soul, and mind, and just uh, making this a generational thing. May we be a stronger church for it and growing the children from the earliest of ages as a foundation of ministry of knowing you, that when they are old, they will not depart from it. Thank you for these words, these truths. Help us to reach the lost. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.